church. Good morning, good morning. Check one, two, there I am. Yes, man, so good to be in the house this morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Zach Greider. I am the campus pastor for our High Ridge location in Fort Worth, Texas. And man, I'm so excited to be here. And hey, before we continue this morning, church, will you help me welcome everyone that's watching online right now? Come on, show them some love. Yes. We are so excited to have you here watching with us this morning and joining us online. Man, we have an awesome team right now that's ready to engage. If you have any questions about church or anything throughout the message, feel free to type things in the comment right there. We have a team that would love to connect with you. And again, we're so excited you're joining us this morning. Well, as many of you can tell, I am not Pastor Tim Ingram. Uh, he actually right now is preaching at our High Ridge Church Fort Worth location this morning. So be praying for him as well, and we'll do that in just a moment. But I'm excited to be here this morning with you, and as a pastor, as a preacher, um, probably by the end of this year, I will have preached about 25 times, 25 to 30 times this year, and here's what I have found in my uh, career of being a preacher. Um, by the time the year ends, there's one particular message that seems to be this resounding theme throughout the year for me personally. And this morning, even though we're only halfway through the year, the, the message I'm gonna give you this morning, the message I'm gonna share with you this morning seems to be that message for me this year. This message I'm gonna give you this morning is something that seems to be this theme that the Holy Spirit continues to bring back into my life despite the seasons and the things that I've been walking through over the past six months. And so to say I'm excited to share this message with you this morning would be an understatement. In fact, look to the person you're right and say, it's about to go down, all right? Look to the person you left, say, it's about to go down. And then everybody say, boom shakalaka. It's about to go down. If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn with me. We're gonna go to the Old Testament this morning, Judges chapter seven. Judges chapter seven is where we're gonna be this morning. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll have the scripture on the screen for you. So here's what I'm gonna do. Um, I, I'm gonna read this particular um, story, and actually I'm just gonna read one verse, and so I wanna set context to the actual story that's happening here. Um, but here's what I wanna do. I, I wanna set up something for you. Um, and What I want you to do is think about your life. And again, we often have to be careful with reading ourselves into scripture. We always wanna be careful with that. And what we wanna do is pull out the timeless biblical truth that applies to our life right now. But I believe that God brought a lot of you here this morning specifically to hear what he wants to show us in his word. And what I think the theme seems to be this morning after listening to the worship songs and listening to Pastor Zach's um, ministry moment at the end of worship, what seems to be the theme this morning is a reflection on God's goodness. And so I think what I want to encourage you to do today is to remember how good our God is and reflect on the moments of your life, the seasons that you're in. I mean, some of you right now, you're walking through some stuff. And I think what you read right now, need right now is, I, I don't think you need more books. I don't think you need better relationships. I don't think you need your finances fixed. I don't think you need another job. I don't think you need another spouse. What I think you need is more of God's presence, Amen. And so this morning, as we dig into the word, that's my hope for you. So Judges chapter seven, here, here's what's happening in this story. You have a guy named Gideon, and, and Gideon's about to go into battle. In fact, I wanna encourage you at some point this week to go and read Judges chapter six and Judges chapter seven, because this is an incredible story. And there are a lot of elements, a lot of things that happens in Gideon's journey along trusting the Lord and his walk with God that I think will relate to your life. There's some things you can pull out of these chapters, but we're gonna focus on one particular story here. So Gideon is about to go into battle, 
And Gideon has 32,000 warriors, soldiers on his side that he's about to lead into this battle. Now, 32,000, I don't know about you, but I would feel pretty confident if I've got 32,000 warriors backing me up. So this is Gideon's situation. He's got 32,000 on his side, but here's the problem. The enemy that he's about to go against is the Midianites. And the Midianites have 135,000 warriors that they're going to battle against, against Gideon and his army. So here, 32,000, despite how confident I would feel, the odds are stacked against Gideon, all right? I'm, I'm not a mathematician. Okay, I grew up in the Louisiana school system. We're like 49, all right? Mississippi makes us look good. We're 49, okay? So... I'm not a mathematician. I feel confident with 32,000, but when I see 135,000, it doesn't take much for me to understand the odds are stacked against me. This isn't looking good for us. So this is the situation that Gideon is in. And so then what we're about to pick up the story, we're gonna read one verse this morning. We're about to see how God approaches Gideon. Here's what it says in verse two. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you, your army, are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. (laughs) Okay, so we're standing here, we're Gideon, we've got 32,000, we're facing 135,000. The odds are already stacked against us, then God comes to him and says, oh, you've got way too many warriors. (laughs) Way too many too many, and Gideon's like, like me, trying to figure this out. Wait a second, Lord, what's happening here? We've got way too many warriors, so then God takes him on this journey to, to getting rid of warriors, and finally, his, his army of 32,000 dwindles down to 300. So now, Gideon's in a situation where he's facing 135,000 enemy soldiers, and he's got 300. Now, the reason I want to point out this scripture to you today is because what God is doing in this moment, there's a key phrase in that verse two. He says, listen, you can't go into battle with 32,000 because here's what's going to happen. Even though the odds are stacked against you, if you go into the battle with 32,000 and you win because you're going to win because I'm sending you and I've given you the victory, you're going to come out of that battle and you're going to give the credit to your strategy and your plan and your warriors. Now, I don't know about you, but I relate to this story because here's what I do as a believer. When my marriage is on the rocks, when my kids are misbehaving, when things are falling apart in my life, here's what Zach Grider does. Zach Grider looks at what he has, and I start looking for the strategy and the plan of how I'm going to fix those things. And what I've noticed about a lot of Christians, we do the same thing, right? Like, we pray about it. We, we say we trust in God. But nonetheless, behind the scenes and in our heart of hearts, we're trying to win the battle that has already been given to us in the victory. And what we begin to do is take things into our own hands. And what God will remind us all of today is that, listen, it is not on you to win this battle because if it's your strategy and it's your plan, then you get the glory and I don't. Again, I remind everyone that's here this morning, those of you watching online, listen to me, friend. The ultimate goal of your life is to bring glory to God. Can can I remind all the Christians in America in 2021 that is the goal of our life? Because here's the temptation. About to get in your grits a little bit. Here's the temptation. We wanna go to church. We wanna sing awesome songs. 
We want to be in an atmosphere that's just set right. I mean, we got the we got the awesome lights back here. We got an incredible team. We've got smoke that comes out of the ceiling, setting the mood. And listen, I love that stuff. I love that we have a team that is using their creative gifts and talents to set an atmosphere where we can worship without distraction. I am not putting those things down. I love it. I eat it up. Man, I was worshiping my heart out up here. It's a good thing you couldn't hear me sing. But, but, but here's what happens. We become consumer Christians. And what begins to happen is it becomes about us. So we go to High Ridge Church Longview because we love the worship. We go to High Ridge Church Longview because we love the way that Pastor Tim preaches in his humor. We go to High Ridge Church Longview because the atmosphere is good. And what begins to happen unintentionally, we become consumers of Christianity, consumers of God, rather than forgetting that everything that happens in this room this morning, can I just remind you of this? It's not about you. It's not about you. Worship is not about you. Now listen, I'm glad, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. We are very purposeful on how we create, but the whole reason we focus on atmosphere is to create a place where you feel free to sing and to worship your Lord and not be distracted. But what begins to happen, it becomes about us. It becomes about us. And so what we do is we go to church and we wanna be better people because we think if we'll be who God's called us to be, that means we live a life of victory and no problems, no issues, no financial struggles, no marriage problems, and our kids always obey. (laughs) And here's the truth. Sometimes that is the case because God blesses obedience. But listen to me, friend. The whole point of your life, whether you're on the mountaintops or whether you're in the valleys, whether things are going great or whether things are falling apart in your life, the purpose of your life is that whether you're in good seasons or bad, God gets the glory from those. It's about his glory. In fact, listen, I'm just be real with you. The reason we want you to be a better husband, the reason we want you to be a better father, the reason we want you to be who God has called you to be is not so that you can be a better person, it's so that you can bring glory to him. Because when we do that, listen, that's the whole, you realize that's the whole reason behind obedience in the Bible, right? Like, yes, God blesses his children. He wants to bless. Do you know why he blesses us, though? So that you'll give him the glory. It's all about him. And I think sometimes, and listen, I told you, this is the theme of my life this year, and I'm preaching to myself. You just get to listen in this morning. Because I even have to remind myself as a pastor, because here's what I'll do. Man, I'm going off script right now. This is for somebody. Here's what I'll do. God, I'm a pastor, God, I I moved my family from Louisiana to Texas where the food's not near as good. I came over here. I'm just kidding. Y'all have some good barbecue. You do have some good barbecue. I came here. I brought my family here. And then in 2018, I uprooted my family and my children. I moved to the middle of nowhere of Graham, Texas. Even Google doesn't know where it's at. And I planted a church. So here's what happens to me. God, I've done all this stuff for you, God. Therefore, you owe me. Don't we do that? You know what's funny is I've I've preached this stuff before. And yet for some reason, even for me as a pastor, I keep getting into these seasons where I have to just remind myself of this. In fact, one of your elders came into the green room after first service and was encouraging me on this message and just reminding me that, man, even for me, and this is an elder who's an experienced believer, like he's like varsity level Christian, right? And he's in there like, man, that was good. I have to remind myself of that all the time. And so here's what I have accepted about perspective, 
This is something that for us as believers, we will constantly have to keep a temperature on. You know, for me as a husband, I, I, I can never stop dating my wife. Now, she's married to me. She has chosen to be with me for the rest of her life. But I cannot stop dating her. I don't want to stop dating her because I want the relationship to flourish. Watch this. As a believer, you will never get to the place where you have to stop focusing on perspective. Because of the world you live in and the things that are going on in your life, it is your natural human reaction to, to allow your perspective to get skewed and get your focus and fixation off of Jesus and put it on your problems. And so the beauty of this moment with Gideon is that God says, oh, you, you, you have too many because you need to remember my goodness. You need to remember who I am. I want the glory from this situation. I want the glory from this battle. Therefore, you've got to trust in me because it's me that has sent you into battle. Amen? So this morning, we're going to focus on this idea of how does God, how does he get the glory even when we're in a storm? Not just the great times when things are going right, but how does he get the glory even in the midst of the storm? So let's pray before we dig into this topic this morning. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this moment. I invite you to use my voice to build and encourage your people. And Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness and who you are. So Lord, speak to us this morning. Give us strength, give us confidence in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, man, the Holy Spirit had some, that was a 17-minute intro. Do y'all realize that? <laughs> we got 16 minutes and 53 seconds. I haven't even got to point number one. We're in trouble, all right? Here's what we're gonna do. I had this whole elaborate story that I was gonna set up, a story about me and my son camping, and I'll just summarize it real quick, Reader's Digest version. Basically, me and my son went camping. I got into camping during COVID because I was sitting at home for eight weeks, and so I picked up a new hobby. Um, so I went and YouTubed and got into camping. Well, me and my son went camping one time, and we went to bed. I woke up the next morning. I had this whole routine of, of things that I would do, you know, our schedule, all that stuff, because I'm a control freak. And so I woke up the next morning. It's time to build a fire so I can get my coffee and so I can make my son breakfast, Okay. And here's what I found about camping with me. Like for me, I'm a, I'm a redneck from Louisiana. Like I love the outdoors. I'm down for it. But when it comes to camping, if I'm not catching something or harvesting something, which is the politically correct way to say of killing things nowadays, if I'm not doing either one of those two things, I'm good for about 24 hours. Now I'm done. I'm ready to go home, right? Wake up the next morning. I'm like, okay, it's time to build a fire so I can make coffee, cook breakfast. I get the wood out and I start trying to make this fire and I realize I made a huge mistake throughout the night. I forgot to put my wood under the tarp, and it had come a, a rain shower throughout the night, so the wood's soaking wet. At this point, stress is starting to build because I need my coffee, can I get an amen from all the adults, and my son needs his breakfast. When my kid, who was four at the time, does not eat, a demonic presence shows up, and this is not good for any of us. All parents understand, and so now, you see, I'm evaluating the situation, things are falling apart, I'm freaking out. I'm trying to get this fire going, finally, 45 minutes later, your boy gets the fire going. So I get this little flame. I mean, it's just, it's like, don't even look away from it. It's gonna die to keep feeding it. And then as I'm making the fire and I'm working on it, I see the, the sky starts to turn green, gray. Now I'm really freaking out because it's about to rain again. And there's no just packing up and running home. I have all this stuff I have to tear down and my four-year-old is not gonna help me. So I gotta do it all by myself. So we're gonna have to ride this storm out that's approaching. But now I'm like, I still don't have my coffee. He still hasn't eaten. I have to get this fire going. Immediately it starts to rain. At this point, 
the temptation was to run under the tarp and to leave the fire so I could stay dry and warm. And this was springtime, so it was still pretty cool. It was 40-something degrees. So I don't know where I knew how to do this or what triggered me to just stay in the rain, but I had this idea that as long as I keep putting wood on the fire, the fire will continue to get bigger. And again, maybe I saw Bear Grylls do it or something. I don't know where I knew how to do this. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit. I don't know. So sure enough, it's raining. And I'm not talking West Texas rain. I'm talking East Texas, North Louisiana, pour down rain. You know what I'm saying? Like it's raining at this point, pouring. So I'm getting soaking wet. And sure enough, as I put the wood on the fire, the fire continues to get bigger. No matter how hard it's raining, the more wood I put on the fire, the bigger it gets. And here's what I realized. Every time I saw the flame coming up between the logs, I would put another log there. And here's what was happening. The logs that I was placing on top of the flame, the top side was protecting the fire from the rain, but the bottom side was providing the fuel for the flame to get bigger and bigger and bigger. The title of my message today is Tend the Flame. Everyone say, Tend the Flame. Tend the flame, because here's what I want you to see. In these storms, in these valleys of your life, when you find yourself in these impossible situations, what I want you to be able to do as a Christian is that when your fight or flight uh, response kicks in, I don't want you to run anymore. I want you to stand and fight, and I want you to trust the Holy Spirit. And like Gideon, I want you to reflect on God's goodness and know that he is for you. And if God is for you, then no one can be against you, Amen. So how do we do that? How do we stay in the midst of impossible odds? And how do we stand and and stay in faith? And again, faith is simply confidence in God. See, when we face storms and valleys, when you begin to lack faith, here's what that means. You're lacking confidence in God. So when your finances, your marriage, your relationships, things in your life begin to fall apart, the reason you flee or the reason you come over here and try to fix it yourself is because you're lacking confidence in God and his goodness. And so this morning, what I wanna do is give you three, everyone say three, Three ways to stand in the midst of a storm and make sure that God is still getting the glory for what you're going through. So here's the first thing if you're taking notes this morning. I'm gonna have to write really fast. Number one is stay calm. When you face an impossible situation, the first thing you gotta do is stay calm. Why? Here's what Isaiah 41.10 says. Fear not. This is the Lord speaking. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So God says in the Bible to you, in the midst of this impossible situation, in the midst of this storm in this valley, listen to me, fear not. Why? Because I am with you and I'm your God. And in one verse, he reminds us five times of who he is in the midst of the storm. But for us as believers, we know this, but what happens What's happening to us when we get into these situations? Well, oftentimes our emotions are getting the better of us. We allow fear to take our fixation off Jesus, and we need to be reminded of who God is. On this whole camping journey with my son, and by the way, my son is as redneck as they come. I'm doing a good job, all right? He is super redneck. He loves the outdoors. He would live at the deer lease if he could. Like, he is absolutely obsessed with all things outdoors. He just loves being out there. And he's fearless. My son's fearless. In fact, one time we were talking with some friends standing out on a piece of property. I was having serious conversation with adults. My son was playing. And I looked over and saw this piece of plywood laying on the ground. I saw my son at three years old, lifted up, and there was a whole family or city of mice up under that piece of plywood. And before I could get out of my mouth, because I knew what he was thinking, before I could say, arrow, don't you, he reaches down, grabs one of them. 
I thought he was gonna kiss it. But that's my son, fearless. And I've seen him do it with a snake too. Like when he's around snakes, I have to tell him, be super careful, because that dude will reach down and grab it. He's fearless, except when it comes to coyotes. My son freaks out, guys. Listen, I'm talking next level freak out when he hears coyotes sound off. And he's probably only seen three or four of them in his entire life, but he's heard about a 1,000. And here's the problem with that. Coyotes in Texas are like Whataburgers. They're everywhere and no one likes them, but you gotta learn how to deal with them, right? <laughs> got it, I didn't get to drop that one first service. I'm glad you got a taste of that. Still not a Whataburger fan, but I'm working on it. But my son, he freaks out. So here, here's what happens. Oftentimes, we'll, we'll, be, out, we'll be out in the woods um, hunting or something like that, and we'll be walking back to the truck, and it's getting dark, and he'll hear coyotes sound off, and my son freaks out. I'm talking like crying. We don't cry, all right? Now, when, we, when you're at the deer release, that's the number one rule. You just don't cry. I don't care what it is. You cut your leg off, you don't cry, all right? It's a, you don't do that. So he's crying, and he'll come over and grab my leg, and he'll start freaking out want to go home. Now, I want you to think about how that makes me feel as his father. Now, I'm, I'm 5'11 and three quarters, Okay, I'm six foot with shoes on. I, I do work out some. Like, I'm in decent shape. Not only that, I have a gun. So my little son, and by the way, for those of you who don't know anything about coyotes, a good-sized coyote only runs about 45 pounds. And my son is freaking out and crying while he's with me. So here's what happens. I have to get down on my son's level and I have to remind him of who I am. Hey son, do you see me? Listen, do you see this gun? A coyote doesn't have a chance of hurting you and I'm sitting there convincing my son of who I am. Hey church, can I remind you today of who your God is? He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He spoke the universe into existence and the Bible says that you are in his hand and nothing, everyone say nothing, can pluck you out of his hand. Fear not. Fear not. So what are we doing? And again, this is one of those things in our life where we have to constantly remind ourselves of who he is and his goodness. Let me tell you something about that coyote. I, I told my son this one time. I said, listen, son, on that coyote's best day, he didn't have a chance of taking you from me on his best day. Because here's the deal, and if you're a parent, you understand this. I will lay down my life for my son, for my children. I'll do anything for him. And on that coyote's best day, I'm just telling you right now, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care how, on their best day, they don't have a chance at my son. Listen to me, friend. On the enemy's best day, he doesn't have a chance at you. Because the Bible says, can he, can he bring warfare against your life? Absolutely. Can he attack you? Absolutely. But on his best day, he can't take you out of God's hands. But what his strategy is, is to provoke fear in you. Because as long as you give in to fear, you can't live in faith. Now, will you experience fear as a believer? Absolutely, but we don't give in to it. So what we have to do is stay calm. Everyone say, stay calm. Number two, as we stay calm, this then allows us to feed the fire. So as we stay calm, we don't give in to our emotions. When the fight or flight response kicks in, we're gonna fight, we're gonna stay calm, we're not gonna give in to fear, and then what are we gonna do? We're gonna start feeding the fire. Can I remind you that the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 29, our God is a consuming fire. When you gave your life to Jesus, God gave you his spirit that lives within you. 
It's the only chance that you have of becoming the man and the woman that God has designed you to be. It's because the Spirit of God lives within you. So it's not by our own power and strength that we become who God's called us to be. It's by simply submitting to the Spirit that lives within us. But what can happen to us as believers is we suppress that Spirit. We distance ourselves from who God has called us to be. And so what we need to do is feed the fire within us. Can I remind you today, Christian, you have everything you need inside of you to face this impossible task that you have been sent on. And here's the beauty of it. By yourself, you can't do it. But because the Holy Spirit lives within you, if you'll trust him, if you'll surrender to him, no matter what lies ahead, whether it's a victory or it's a failure, whatever it is, God has got you. And so in the midst of that, what you've gotta do then is press in more. Press into what? More of God's presence. See, it's God's presence that brings transformation. Can I remind you of that? It's not a name on a building. It's not a building. It's not relationships. It's not the right church. No, what brings transformation is God's presence. And here's why God's presence is so important, because God's presence then brings perspective. So here's what I do. When I find myself in seasons of feeling distant from God, I evaluate my life and ask myself, man, where am I feeding the fire? Can I just be honest with you this morning? Or something, well, you should be, you're a pastor. Okay, here's here's what I meant. (laughs) Can I be vulnerable with you this morning? I'm in that season. Two months ago, my pastor asked me, and he, we go to lunch once a week, and what I love about Pastor Jeff is he, don't care, he doesn't care about what I do for him, my performance, my numbers, what I build, any of that stuff. What he cares about is my relationship with the Lord, my marriage, and my kids. And he asked me a few months ago, man, how, how's your relationship with the Lord? What's, what's the Lord speaking to you? And I had to be honest with him. I'm like, Pastor Jeff, I'm spending time with God daily, but I feel as far from God as I've felt in a really long time. There's a distance right now between me and the Lord. I don't know how to explain it, and I don't know why it's there. And in the midst of this distance, what often happens to many of us, is when the enemy comes for us. Man, he's sneaky, isn't he? He's sneaky. He he doesn't attack us when we're near and in God's presence. He attacks us when when we're away from the Lord, when we're isolated. And that's what was happening. That's what's been, if I'm real with you, has been happening to me for two months. Lots of spiritual warfare, lots of thoughts that are not okay, lots of, lots of things going on in my life. And so I remembered this message because, again, this is the theme for my life this year. This is the third or fourth time I preach it this, this year already, and I'll continue to preach it for the rest of the year because God's trying to tell me something, and he's given me something, I think, to share with the body of Christ at large. But as I was thinking about this season, I'm in, I'm like, man, I've been preaching tend the flame. When I evaluated my life, yes, I'm doing my daily time with the Lord. Yes, I'm reading the Bible daily, and I protect that. I learned that lesson a long time ago. I don't go into spiritual battles not prepared any longer. But yet I'm prepared, but yet I'm still losing. Like something's happening to me. And so the question I asked myself was, how am I feeding the fire? So here's what I did. I thought about this, and I said, okay, here's what I need. I don't need more solutions. I don't need more messages What I need is more of God's presence. And the way that I'm gonna get that is I'm just gonna start worshiping more. And so what I did, and I'm not trying to be super Christian, I'm just telling you what I did. I'm I'm being honest with you. I I elevated the amount of worship in my life. So, and listen, I love other, other genres. I'm a redneck, I love country, all right? I love it. But every opportunity I had, 
in my life. If, if I was gonna listen to music, it was going to be worship music. Why? Because I needed more of God's presence. And watch this. Now, this is important. I wasn't desiring his presence. Somebody needs to hear this today. I wasn't desiring his presence so that he would answer my prayers and do for me what I'm asking of him. Man, I love that worship song that we did, the third one. I forget the name of it. Nothing else. Nothing else. The whole purpose of that song is remind, it, it's changing our perspective of Christians that, listen, we come into his presence and, and we're not there to impress him. We're not there for favor. We're not there for blessings. We are there for him. And here's the beauty, God's presence. And listen, there's nothing wrong with asking God for things. So don't, don't get this twisted. But it's going back to that consumer mindset that we have as believers. The reason I was desiring God's presence is so that my perspective would change. Because God's presence changes our perspective. Now check this out, you ready for this? Nothing has changed in my circumstances in the past two months. Actually, if I was honest with you, here recently, more stuff has hit the fan. <laughs> is that okay to say in church? Am I, uh, this is Tim Ingram's church, uh, yeah, we're good. I'm still, I'm still vacation Bible school compared to Pastor Tim Ingram. <laughs> Love you, Pastor Tim. We're, we love you so much. So blessed. Thank you for allowing me to preach here. I would love to come back. It'd be great. <laughs> but here, here, listen, my circumstances haven't changed, but my perspective has. And despite my circumstances, my God is still good. So we stay calm. We feed the fire. And then lastly, here's the last thing I have for you this morning. We endure the rain. So we stay calm. We feed the fire but we've gotta be prepared to endure the rain. And just to be honest with you, you're not gonna like this one. In fact, James 1.12 would say this, blessed is the one who endures trials because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So I read this passage and I thought, okay, what, what does that word endure actually mean? And I went and looked up the definition. It's pretty painful. Here's what, here's what the definition of endure actually means. It means to suffer patiently. Endure means to suffer patiently. Think about this. The Bible just told you and me as Christians that blessed are those who suffer patiently. Because that suffering is a testing. What is he testing? What is God testing? Do you believe he's good or not? In the midst of this trial, in the midst of the storm, and listen, I am not belittling your situation. Some of you are going through some horrific things. Some of you have been through some horrific things. Some of you got things that you look back on and you don't understand why they happened to you. You don't understand how this person could do this to you. You don't even understand. At some point, you probably even thought, man, how can there be a good God? Just look at this thing that I've been. Some of you got those things in your life. I'm not belittling those situations. But at the end of the day, here's the question. Do we still believe that he's good? Because what we can't do is determine that our God is good based off of our circumstances. We can't. Listen, we suffer patiently knowing that our God is good. Watch this, despite the outcome. And that's the real test, church. Because some of you are standing here and you're, man, my God's good. And you, you've got 
You've got big prayers for this situation. You, you've got a desired outcome. You want this, this relationship to be saved. You want this loved one to be healed. You want this thing to happen. Whatever it is, you want your business to succeed. You want to go to this college. Whatever your situation is, and you're faithing, you're here this morning, you're worshiping full of faith, confidence in God, and you're praying and asking for big things. And listen, you should continue to do that. Because the Bible says you have not because you ask not. But don't get that twisted. You have what not. His will in your life. We, his, when our prayers align with his will, that's when we see life change happen. Now listen, continue to ask. Can, I love when my kids ask me for things. But watch this. Your definition of God's goodness cannot, church, hear this. It cannot be contingent on the outcome of your situation. And what you've got to be willing to do is know that God is good, period. He's good, period. We, we, we pray big, faithful prayers. We believe because he can. We believe because he will. But even if he doesn't, our God is good. That's how he gets the glory from our situations. That's how he gets glory from the mountaintops. That's how he gets glory from the valleys and the storms. Because our God is good. Watch this, not because we say he's good, but because he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And it is the greatest act of love this earth has ever seen. That's why our God is good. So we've gotta have this ability to endure the rain. Suffer patiently, knowing that if our God is for us, then who can be against us? Amen? Tend the flame. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, thank you so much for every person that is here this morning. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the testimony of Gideon. God, my prayer this morning for myself and for those that are here and those that are watching online, my prayer is that we could stand and we could stand in the face of impossible situations. That we could stand in the midst of a valley or a storm that we don't understand. And yet we can stand there and be confident in who you are. Knowing that you're good. God, my prayer is that for us as believers, when we come into these seasons, into these situations in our life, no matter how difficult they may seem. God, my prayer, my hope is that we wouldn't flee, but instead we would stay, we would fight, and we would believe in who you are, God, that you would give us the ability, give us the ability to tend the flame, give us the ability, the strength to endure the rain. So God, that's our prayer this morning. God, there's some people in here right now, they're going through some very, very difficult situations. Lord, I just pray they feel confident now this morning. Confident they would continue to pray. Big prayers, God. Keep asking for miracles. Keep asking for incredible things to happen in this situation. But also I pray that there's a part of them that, man, no matter what the outcome is, they trust in your goodness and in who you are. So Lord, I thank you for what you're gonna do in these situations. I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I have one more prayer for you this morning before we dismiss. For some of you, maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're listening to this, and the truth is, you're one of those individuals that you, you came to church, you've come to God because you wanted something. 
You expected something from him other than who he is, other than a relationship. My challenge for you this morning is to ask yourself, man, have you ever surrendered to a relationship? Has there ever been a moment where you encountered the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Has there ever been a moment where you surrendered your life to a life-changing relationship with Jesus? And if your answer is no, here's the good news. You're gonna have that chance right now in this moment. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray a prayer, and it's not a magical prayer. It's not a formula. What we're gonna do is simply surrender our life to Jesus. We're surrendering to relationship. And if you're here and you've never done that, then I wanna invite you to pray with me quietly to yourself. And again, you can use your own words if you'd like. But I wanna give you the opportunity to meet him, the one that's changed my life, the one that loves you just as much and wants to change yours. So if that's you, friend, I wanna invite you to pray with me quietly to yourself. And those of you that are watching online, you can do the same. Just pray with me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I've messed up. God, I wanna ask you to forgive me of my sins. And right now, God, I wanna turn from doing life my way. And I wanna start doing life your way. And Jesus, I wanna invite you into my heart and into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. And I wanna thank you, Jesus, I wanna thank you for dying on the cross for me, for conquering sin and death, and for just now saving me. Thank you, Lord. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, there are some of you here today that you just prayed that prayer with me. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna call you out or anything like that. I just wanna celebrate your decision. So for those of you that, that just prayed with me, no one else looking up, no one looking around, just those that prayed, would you just lift up your hand real quick? Just those that prayed. No one else looking up, no one looking around, just those that prayed. Awesome, I got you in the back, awesome. Just those that prayed, awesome. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, those of you that raised your hand, would you just do me a favor and look up at me and make eye contact? And for those of you that are watching online that just prayed for me as well, this is for you. Man, I'm so excited about your decision today. But this is just the beginning of a life-changing relationship. And as your church, we wanna help you go on this journey that you're starting with Jesus. So here's what I would love for you to do. You can text the number you see here on the screen. You can text, I prayed, to 844-HRC-TEXT. And here's why that's important, because you're starting a journey. Christianity is not meant to be done alone. It's meant to be done with other believers. And we wanna help you take those next steps in your relationship with the Lord. And so make sure you text that to that number on the screen, because we're gonna have a team reach out to you to show you and help you go on this journey that you're starting today. Man, I'm so, so excited for you. Hey, church, can we give it up for all those that prayed to receive Christ? Come on, show them some love.